because you know we have such a great education system we're so lucky to have this free third level education research here should be able to build on that we have such a, a good cohort of students like we, we already have such a good investment at the third level education like you know continuing that on into research would just be fantastic so hopefully the government will continue to invest you're listening to the class acts podcast an initiative of ucd conway institute a research institute based in University College Dublin. My name is Elaine Quinn. In this podcast series, we want to introduce you to scientists at the heart of fascinating new research here in the Institute. What motivated our researchers to pursue a career in science? What journeys have they taken along their career path? What areas of research are they pursuing? How have their careers been influenced by mentorship along the way? Some of these scientists have long established research groups in the Institute, while others have just begun to build their own teams here in UCD. All of them have spoken about their work in our weekly Conway Lecture and Seminar series, or CLASS for short. Our host is Dr Owen Cummins, Assistant Professor of Physiology in UCD School of Medicine and a Conway Fellow. Owen leads a research group studying how carbon dioxide and oxygen affect cellular behaviour. Owen is also passionate about educating the next generation of scientists and medics and actively contributes to equality, diversity and inclusion initiatives within UCD. He was inspired to create the Class Acts podcast to share the many and varied backgrounds and journeys taken by Conway researchers on their routes to scientific success. In episode six, Dr Owen Cummins chats with Assistant Professor Martina Wallace from the UCD School of Agriculture and Food Science, who is a Conway Fellow. Martina describes how her childhood, growing up by the sea, inspired an early interest in marine biology that ultimately led her to the University of California, San Diego, but not as a marine biologist. In San Diego, Martina mixed early morning surfs with top-class research in the area of metabolism before returning to Ireland to develop her own research team. Martina outlines her desire to translate a deeper understanding of metabolic pathways into better treatments for patients with metabolic diseases and disorders. So good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast, where we're joined by Dr. Martina Wallace. She's an Ad Astra Fellow and Assistant Professor in the School of Agriculture and Food Science here in UCD. Martina, you're very welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks very much, Owen. Glad to have an opportunity to chat. <laughs> so I've got to kick off with a question about your inspiration for a career in science. So I'm not sure how far back we have to go before <laughs> I had a, a little budding scientist with chemistry sets or books or inspirational teachers, maybe. So what was it that uh, attracted you to uh, a career or to studying science in the first place, I guess? I think um, you're probably to go back uh, really young. Um, I grew up by the seaside and I always thought, um, oh, what could be a job that could keep you by the sea and I thought oh marine biologist that sounds great so I think um, originally I kind of was always interested in like like didn't fully like pursue it or anything at a young age but that was like a nice idea and then um, when I went to or when I was in secondary school um, I think chemistry and biology was just just kind of came to me a little bit easier than other subjects I always really enjoyed studying it so I wasn't necessarily a great student in, in every subject or anything so um, I think um, automatically I taught I should go for a degree in science. 
and a broad degree in science. So not going, you know, directly into something like medicine or anything like that. The marine biology is 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 very is very pigeonholed <laughs> early, you know, yeah. probably as as a child. So I, I can certainly imagine that it's a good idea to to maybe start with something a little bit broader to see see whether that's ultimately your your passion. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I think like, um, yeah, it's like, you know, biology, you know, in secondary school is really broad as well. You go through lots of physiology and like, you know, everybody remembers the fur and life cycle and things like this. So I, I enjoyed all of it. And I thought it was, um, I think it just was like kind of a, an easy decision to go into science. And then um, I came to UCD um, and probably... <laughs> Um, one of the reasons I went to UCD is is like a typical reason I think for lots of people. My brother went here. I had lots of cousins and friends who decided to go to UCD. So and they had a good broad degree. They all um, turned out okay. And they all turned out okay. Yeah. So <laughs> it'd be great if I if it was more a reason of well, you know, I looked into in depth into exactly all the lectures and things like this, but it was um it was less well thought out than that. And um, then in science, I did, um, I kind of specialized in, in secondary specialized. So I went into zoology, micro and biochem. And um, after doing zoology, I, I quickly realized that, well, maybe, you know, going down the marine biology path was um, not for me. And um, I just really enjoyed biochemistry. So um, it was kind of lucky in a way because um, we were being taught biochemistry and micro and through the normal biochemistry track. So hearing it, I think, through two different lenses and through two different sets of lectures actually really helped. So I think a lot of other people in the class or people who did biochemistry in second year had some trouble and that kind of helped me to get a foothold because I was, I was hearing it from two subjects. Yeah, yeah different um, perspectives. Yeah, yeah, which was, which was really helpful. Um, and then, yeah, so I stayed in biochemistry and specialized in that. And um, as anybody knows from biochemistry, a lot of it is metabolism. So it's metabolic pathways. And I, I just really enjoyed it. I enjoyed studying about the networks and how, like, you know, all the feedback regulation. And I just thought it was really an um, interesting subject. When it came to our fourth year projects, there was there was one metabolism project, and that was with uh, Lorraine Brennan. So automatically, I, like I didn't like was my top choice to try and get that subject straight away. So um, and then I ended up doing my PhD with Lorraine. Yeah, fantastic. And you know, sometimes it's about seizing that opportunity when it presents. There's, there was one project in metabolism. You know, if you hadn't begun that, <laughs> who knows what what direction your your career might have taken in the in the subsequent yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it's about like, you know, kind of what's available that time and and you just kind of jump on what you're interested in. And did that fourth year experience um, in the area of metabolism sort of solidify your your sort of your view that this is this is a direction you want to pursue? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It was, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a great lab to be in. Lorraine was a um, really good supervisor and really got my feet wet, got to do a lot of different techniques. It was um, about beta cell metabolism. And so I didn't even really think twice about doing a PhD. Um, I just automatically went for it. And um, Lorraine was uh, really supportive and we went for an ERC set. So, um, and on the second round, I ended up getting that the first round, unfortunately declined, but the second round I got it. And, and then I started my PhD with Lorraine. And in terms of, the, of choosing that, was that, you said you didn't think twice about it. Is that because you were so convinced that this area would satisfy you and keep you interested for the next few years? Or was it because you were sure that you wanted to pursue a, an academic career or, or some of the things that 
might uh, having a PhD might help qualify you for? Um, I think it was more topic driven than I knew a PhD would set you up kind of broadly, you know, that you can go into lots of different areas from a PhD. So it wasn't, I think, that I was really set on like an academic kind of route. It was more, I think I just really enjoyed the subject and it gives you an extra four years of like, you know, getting deeper into a subject, really seeing can you do research, you know, what research is like. Um, and I kind of had an open mind about where it would go, but um, I, yeah, I just was, I think I was just curious. I just wanted to see what research was like. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 that, that sounds familiar to me. I mean, from my own perspective, I remember um, being at that same phase and just sort of having a feeling that it wasn't quite done with exactly. learning things and, and college and, and that, you know, the, the PhD would be a, a very measurable output at the end of it, which was great, but that it wasn't necessarily hardwired that you would go into an academic career at that point. Yeah, yeah, totally the same. It just you feel like you're just not quite done with it yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're definitely still not quite done with it. So the, <laughs> it's, 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 it's ongoing. We won't, we won't fast forward to the end just yet. But, so, so then so you spent, what, three to four years as part of your, your PhD program? Um, I think it was a three or four. So I started in 2007 and then, yeah, I finished by December 2011. My now husband was also doing a PhD in the Conway and um, he still had a year left on his PhD or a little bit longer. So I decided to stay and do a, a postdoc with Lorraine. And in a slightly different area, it was actually a good opportunity. It was um, moving into kind of lipidomics and um, obesity, which is uh, kind of what I wanted to do afterwards anyway so it was a good opportunity to move into a different area learn some new skill sets within Lorraine's lab so it wasn't exactly in the same kind of what I was doing for my PhD and it gave um yeah my my husband time to finish up so that we could then go to the US well we kind of knew with you know you heard the story a lot like if you if to kind of improve your chances of success in academia it helps if you go to you know, a different country, different lab, and obviously, um, yeah, do as well as you can in terms of research. So we knew we, were, we wanted to go to um, a postdoc in a different country. And um, it would be great to say as well, again, that, you know, we went specifically to San Diego because of this exact lab and research they did, but that was not the case either. So um we both again comes back to the seaside where we both surfed in Ireland and, <laughs> and um, I remember one really rainy day I think trying to finish up my PhD and searching the best place in the world to surf and do research and I had never actually really thought of San Diego before but San Diego came up and UCSD so that kind of you know planted a seed and then it, like you know and then afterwards obviously you realize as you look into further San Diego is amazing for research you know there's a there's an absolute wealth of labs and lots of different institutes and so it's 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 a fantastic location so it was surf before science in the, in the context of your of your, <laughs> I, I, career, of your career choice I like that I would say like well you know we had a lot of people going to Australia and things like that. And it sounded great. And we we're like, oh, well, can we combine something, you know, with, with research? And obviously a lot of people go to Australia for research as well. But mm -hmm. yeah, San Diego is a, it was a very attractive location. You're, you're going to tell me now that you, you transferred to become a marine biologist as soon as you went there, are you? <laughs> that, well, I did. That, that, would be, that would be too good of a story, probably. I, did, I would say I didn't meet a lot of people working at... Um, the Scripps Institute, Institute of Oceanography. And um, I think maybe if I had have been, um, yeah, maybe if I had grown up in the US, I, I would have aimed to get to there. 
biology and physiology is more more my my interest now <laughs> so it was the university of uh university of california san diego where where does that exist on the within san diego so are you can, are you close to the beach so you can do your yeah. surfing in between <laughs> in between Plot incubations. And so I would say, obviously, like it's a lot of hard work, and they are like, you know, very driven labs. So you don't always get to um, enjoy enjoy to its fullest. UCSD is like, yeah, it's about five, like maybe from my lab to the like a cliff overlooking um, Black's Beach, which is this amazing beach right beside uh, Tory Pines Golf Course. It was a 15, 20 minute walk. So, you know pretty close and then that's, that's nice i'm visualizing that was, <laughs> yeah. one of the majors was on in, in tory pines recently and i was was looking enviously i think it was the kite surfers that caught me out they, yeah. they were just floating above the like above the cliffs so it's a very yeah. nice part of the world oh yeah it's really stunning and like um it's just amazing to have like this city there and like obviously it's so densely populated but at the same time they have this big kind of marine reserve and like there's dolphins and whales that pass by and it's just yeah, like the ocean there is incredible. So, um, what? Well, yeah, no, it was great. Surfing came on a lot as well as the research, and uh, we did get to have the odd surf for for work. And yeah, no, it's fantastic. So, did it take you long to integrate into the American system? Well, getting over there was first of all a challenge. So, although we were focused on San Diego, we said let's try San Diego and San Francisco, and we both applied broadly. So, unfortunately. I got a job in San Francisco and uh, Rob, my partner, got a job in San Diego. But it was a very good uh, lab that Rob got the position with. It was in the Salk Institute. So um, we decided, okay, look, I'll continue to look. And um, actually went over to San Diego unemployed for the first three months while Rob started his postdoc. And I just emailed everybody. Uh, that doesn't seem fair. You waited for him, and then I know, he, I know. he then sprinted off and took the first job available. But it, it is a, it is a challenge for for scientists who are couples to find opportunities in the same city at the at the same time. Like it's it's not a trivial thing to to coordinate for sure. Yeah, no, definitely not. Like I think it, like it's worth it. And and we heard of other couples actually who did the San Francisco San Diego commute, but we're not going to do that. Um, that's, that's a long it's a long distance yeah yeah like it's a it's a flight it's at least like one and a half hour two hour flight you know and um, so what i did then and and what happened as well is i kind of had a leave at one lab and i kind of you know sometimes the season things happen you think you have the position secured then the grant doesn't come true and then so that was pulled but so um we went over then and um i actually applied for this one uh, lab which was working on circadian metabolism, which is really interesting. And um, I interviewed with her name was Katia uh, Lamia. And um, I interviewed with her and she said like, look, I don't think your skills are exactly right for this lab, but there's a new startup lab in UCSD who's doing um, metabolism, sta stabilized dope tracing, which is actually an area I was really interested in, but I hadn't, the lab was quite new. so. I don't think there was even really a website yet or anything like that. So they weren't on your radar at that point. No, weren't, although then when I started reading into the papers, I was like, oh, this is perfect. So um, I applied to, so it was Christian Metallo's lab, applied to Christian. Um, and again, it took a little while. Um, at the start, he didn't have the money. Then a grant came through. Um, in, so we went over into January, grant came through in March, and then I got the job. So then I actually officially started um, in June of that year. 
so yeah it was a bit of a bit of hard work and emailing and stuff but it's it's great and it's great to you actually through your research and applying you you realize a lot of the different research that's going on there and that actually really helped me i think once i started yeah that's great so that, so then you mentioned that christian's lab was relatively newly set up in ucsd at the time so you're, you're sort of starting in a new city and institute yourself in the lab of something that's kind of developing so it's probably a case of everybody sort of learning as they go a little bit at the beginning or when I when I eventually started, there was one postdoc and I think two, three grad students. Um, and um, yeah, so, so we had a lot of stuff to, to set up at the time. Um, and as he still is, he's focused on cancer metabolism. But, um, you know, there was no animal work set up. And, and yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of things to be set up. And like I was lucky from, from Lorraine's lab, you know, she has it run in a very... Um, good way so I was able to bring some of that and yeah we had to set up you know basic systems like you know excel sheets of inventory and all that kind of stuff yeah. but um but yeah it was fun to be to be there though it was really it's a really fun lab um Christian is incredibly passionate about the research and you know there's a lot of it's just a lot of kicking around ideas and saying oh let's try this or let's do this or you know a lot of exploration and and um, everybody was kind of pretty free to do what they wanted to do, follow whatever direction they wanted to go in. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a, it was a really good lab to work in. So that's good. I mean, it sounds like you you had a lot of intellectual freedom within within reason relatively early in your postdoctoral career, which is not not always the case. And yeah. is that something that you found liberating to be able to go and pursue those ideas, or was it something you found? terrifying <laughs> that, you know maybe you, sometimes people would like to have a little bit more direction on their on their project well like I would say like there was, there was a lot of like you know input you know um it, it's funny here the way the labs are set up within that you know your the PI has a separate office and then there's a reading area and then there's the lab so everything is like you know a little bit spread out ish in the Conway yeah there the way it was set up you had um kind of an office and within that two inner offices so Christian's office was within the grad student and postdoc office. So there was a lot of input and, and, and suggestions constant, like lots of different ideas flying all the time. But I think it was more a case of you filtering through all the suggestions and ideas and figuring out what you wanted to do rather sure. than, than, um, you know, being left alone to your own devices completely. <laughs> it's an interesting, uh, sort of cultural dynamic. I mean, probably particularly in the context of, having a lot of people having had to work remotely as a consequence of, of the pandemic so you know that, that these that these uh, sort of nuclei that you create within within the labs for cross fertilization of ideas that, that that system certainly couldn't have worked to this to the same degree during during lockdown and, and maybe that that affects the the spontaneity and the the creativity and the and, and the lab lab outcomes so it's it's definitely a different a different setup to the, the ones that we, we have in, in Europe and in UCD. Obviously there's a balance to it because you need focus time and, you know, headphones were really important some days so you could <laughs> focus in and concentrate <laughs> on what you're doing. But um, yeah, I think it's a balance and I think trying to get a little bit of both is obviously really important. But I think I suppose what's really important is um, giving people the opportunity to come out with lots of different ideas. And, you know, and then like, you know, with lab mates and then also with Christian kind of filtering through the pros and cons and, and like, 
and starting to develop kind of a, a way of, I don't know, I suppose just like discussing this stuff. So creating a culture of discussion, which is really important. So how did your, how did your um, career develop within the UCSD system then? So you, you stayed there for a, a number of years. So how did your role change and evolve over time? Early on, I was, um, um, it was really good to have the metabolomics background. So, so what I did in Lorraine's lab was metabolomics, which is kind of, you know, big data analysis um, um, and taking like these snapshots of metabolism, measuring lots of different metabolites. And then there's a bit of a bioinformatic kind of pipeline to process that data. So um, it's a good skill set to have. And then coming into Christian's lab, it's very much more targeted and mechanistic and um, what we used was these heavy labeled isotope tracers to figure out where metabolites went. So um, originally I was just obviously trying to learn these new techniques and um, obviously being a postdoc, you're a little bit more senior and you help out grad students and things like that. But then as it progressed, you become the person who were one of the people who knows the methods the most. So obviously you start supervising students more, helping out a lot more, helping direct projects more. And yeah, I suppose you just, um, naturally evolves so that you're more like I think we were all very involved in each other's projects and so you naturally involved to kind of more of a guiding and supervising role in the lab as well as doing your own research than at the start when you're just trying to figure out everything yourself. <laughs> so, so you're taking much more of the of the leadership role in terms of you know taking ownership for your own projects but also you know feeding into other projects and mentoring students and supporting those and, and so forth. And did, 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 the, did the lab sort of grow much in size over that time or, or did it uh, say fairly constant? Because, you know, the, the, the number of people to be looked after obviously can change the dynamics and so forth. Yeah, I think um, it definitely became much more established during the time there. Um, probably, yeah, I think it grew a good bit. Like by the time I left, there was Oh, I think there was maybe four or five postdocs and I don't know, maybe six or seven. Grad, I can't even remember six or seven grad yeah. students. Well, yeah, it's considerably bigger than the yeah, than the yeah, yeah. So, like, but yeah, we're like really active, um, like a diverse set of projects going on. Everything from cancer to obesity to um, eye different eye diseases. So, yeah, I would say it became and and with it the kind of lab it is um, in metabolism research. It's kind of, you know, you have a certain set of tools. So we started off with a GCMS, which is kind of like the more straightforward method for measuring metabolites. And by the end, there was much more expensive equipment in the basement that we had to manage and take care of. And so all our, all our abilities and what we could do really expanded a lot uh, during the time I was there. And, you know, at the start, there was no animal work. And by the end, we, we had a, like a lot more of that going on. So I think um, uh, the opportunities for what you could do and the questions you could ask expanded a lot within those seven years. Well, it sounds like you very much probably got what you needed in terms of that international experience. So that you know, moving away, facing yourself in a in another institution, get exposure to different ideas, and then, as you said, like developing a, a skill set of scientific te techniques, but also sort of some of the other soft skills in terms of supervision and, and so forth going on. So did you feel like you were ready to branch out on your own and be the <laughs> be the master of your own universe scientifically uh, um, at the end at the end of seven years? Or was there 
you know, something simple like I wanted to come home or <laughs> no, I think <laughs> that, like that was more the driver. Like, I think when you're a postdoc, you do realize that you have more freedom and time to focus on research than you'll ever have again. And multiple people tell you that. So it is like a really nice protected time to kind of just explore. And, you know, the the funding kind of weight doesn't lie on you. You have your job is to do research. So I, I realized that it was a really like, you know, it's a great time. Um, and I was probably ready to leave um, a little bit earlier, but, you know, again, we had a two-body problem, and I also had my daughter in 2019, so, you know, it didn't really make sense to try and make the jump before that. I was like, okay, you know, we'll continue research here. There's lots of facilities. There's, you know, like, I think we knew we wanted to come back to Ireland, and I realized in the U.S., um, just basically in a well running various like established lab at that point how much research you can get done in a month versus when you come back to start up so we just kind of probably hung around a little bit longer than most do but it, you're, it, you're still you know, making hay so you know yeah. it's, it's, you're, you're, you're not missing out on too much <laughs> there, yeah yeah exactly and like it's a nice place to live san diego's really nice and probably you know originally we always decided well like you know we'll come back to ireland but um you know your your head gets turned a bit and you're like oh should we stay should we look out for different opportunities here and you know so it's a couple of things you have to figure out and i think that's it was a nice place to stay and actually i know for a lot of postdocs probably you know four or five years might be the average but in San Diego, I have to say most postdocs were there as long as us, seven or eight years, because I, I think it kind of keeps people there. <laughs> it, it, ha it has a lure and a magnetism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's it's just a, such a good quality of life. <laughs> so there, there's a certain lure and magnetism of home then as well. So so when did you when did you start planning your exit strategy to um, to, to return to Ireland and, and then ultimately end up in your, your current position now, which is an Ad Astra fellow here in, in UCD? Well, I think we actually, we kept an eye out for opportunities like throughout our time because we knew that um, yeah, it's hard to get opportunities to, to get a position in, a, in an Irish university. So um, really from what I can remember, they're, they're just like an opportunity before the Ad Astra scheme didn't really, didn't really come up where, you know, it was like a broad call for lots of different researchers. So we both said, okay, let's let's both apply and 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 try and get back. So we were we were really lucky that the UCB started that call. Um and then oh and like obviously you can apply for um external funding to create a position, but again, there's not like a lot of lot of a lot of those chances and the ones that are like so competitive. So you know, trying to get an ERC grant or something like that. So sure. Yeah, we're we're really lucky that UCB launched the Ad Astra call. <laughs> Look, I, I I think it's a great scheme. I think it's brought a lot of good talent back from some of the the further fields, as well as retained some of the the good talent within within the Irish system. So, it's uh, looking forward to seeing all of the the great research that's done over the over the next few years across many different labs and, and disciplines. So so sort of on that theme. So how different is the focus of your current research area, so the focus of your lab here in UCD from the work that you were doing in San Diego, for example. So, Well, first of all, I'll say when I was in, in, in UCSD, I was in a bioengineering um, department. 
and it was um i would say primarily the lab was focused on cancer metabolism but i worked on more obesity related diseases so then when i came back um i'm now in the nutrition department so i've always been really interested in nutrition and nutritional metabolism are really intimately linked obviously like altering nutrition is one of the main ways you want to if you want to drive alterations in your metabolic network or you know how metabolism changes with disease and nutrition and metabolism you know they've always gone hand in hand so now i'm in a nutrition department and and what i'm really focused in on is yeah how nutrition and specifically nutrition related to um diseases associated with the metabolic syndrome um can be used to either you know either over nutrition and how that drives the disease or you know deficiency in certain specific things and how that or how you could alter nutrition to promote health and um the area i'm really focused in on at the moment is branch chain amino acid metabolism and it directly feeds on from what i did during my postdoc where i focused on branch chain amino acid metabolism in um adipose tissue so i really am continuing on a lot of what i did there but i came back because there's just so much there's so much interesting research in ireland and specifically i thought children's lab what great nutrition they, research they do in the nutrition department here you know there's a lot of um really great faculty who do great kind of patient and or kind of human cohort studies and that was something that wasn't being done you know the the lab in in san diego is primarily kind of cell and animal based so i wanted to try and get closer to that kind of human cohort and that kind of um that more kind of directly applied link if that makes sense i probably didn't um <laughs> term that very no, well no no i don't I, I, yeah. i think that makes sense yeah for sure yeah uh, and you know <laughs> i think that's that's definitely the direction all of the research needs to make i mean the problem with humans is that they're complicated isn't it you know, <laughs> you know the, the, as as you as one moves away from trying to understand things in models which by definition are trying to sort of simplify the system you can you can make some great steps forward and and discoveries and then trying to then think about it in the context of of uh, humans and in large populations of, of cohorts it it gets it gets extra challenging yeah definitely i think like you know it's very hard for a lab to cover all these things um and it's more like i still be very molecular based here but i think when you're in like a, a department that is more human focused at least it, i think it helps feed into your research more yeah. and kind of helps direct your research questions um more than if if you're in you're you're if you're I suppose just not seeing as much of that research, you know what I mean, or you're not as, you know, encountering it as much every day. <laughs> so, so in terms of maybe an end product for your research, so it, you know, best case scenario, are, are are you are you making advances in terms of potential therapeutics for metabolic disease, or are you um, understanding the contribution of nutrition to uh, to these diseases better, and and you know, recommending dietary advice you know what what's what's what does a win look like for for your lab going forward apart from apart from the you know the the papers and the supervising students along the way what's what's the big what's what would be a big, big vision um i suppose like ideally you want to you want to do both you like so um how my research is is really basic metabolism so it's it's uncovering new pathways um because because what we do is obviously we we track metabolites so we have all these 
you know, our textbooks show us these defined metabolic pathways and, and what direction they're going in and what they're doing. But really, you know, that's not the way metabolism is. A lot of it is un, unexplored, undiscovered, because most of the enzymes are kind of more promiscuous. They do side reactions. They're driven by, you know, the substrate levels. So, um, you have to track metabolites to see what's happening. And, and really what I've done so far is, is showing new pathways and how like, you know, they can lead to accumulation of toxic metabolites or how they can accumulate, lead to accumulation of kind of novel metabolites that we don't know what they do. So ideally, you know, the, the start to end would be you uncover one of these more novel metabolic pathways or products um, and you link it in to a disease and either if the, if the, you know, and it just so happens that my two main kind of areas of research is one metabolite, this branch chain fatty acid that we think is beneficial. And the other one is this toxic metabolite where I looked at in um, macular degeneration, which is, is um, it builds up in a, and, it, and it causes um, peripheral neuropathy and also um, this disease, um, macular telangiectasia type two. And it's basically, um, you can, so, so for example, using that as, or using that as an example, accumulation of this deoxysphingolipid happens when you don't have enough serine. So this basic amino acid. Um, and in these patients, for different reasons, these patients with MACTEL, um, they have decreased serine and they lead to accumulation of this toxic um, sphingolipid. So now, since we discovered that, we discovered that this plays a role in the disease, what... Um, what the well the group I left and and their collaborators are trying to do is now literally just give these patients more serine. Does this actually help prevent development of the disease? So it's just due to kind of like that basic metabolic research, figuring out where where the you know metabolites go, what happens when you don't have enough of it, that you're able to uncover this novel metabolite. And then you're able, because of your knowledge of that pathway, you're able to kind of um come up with a kind of precision nutrition way that potentially will will be used to treat that disease and, and prevent kind of progression of that disease. So um, that I think that is an example of, of um, the best case scenario of doing this kind of work. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's a great example. I mean, you know, so, sometimes the challenge can be trying to convince people that the, your fundamental interest in metabolism is going it's to be useful. important. It's useful. It's important for society that it's not just you know you're you know we might be you might be a metabolite nerd or I might be uh, you know sort of a gas nerd in terms of our own personal interest. But you know convince people that it's important. I think this is beautiful example of you know highlighting gaps that existed in the molecular metabolism pathways or maps or you know or at least exactly. sort of a reconfiguring them to show that you know it, it doesn't work just this way. Uh, applying that, identifying a deficiency in, in, a, in a patient population and then coming up with what might be actually quite a, I don't know how trivial or not it is to boost people's <laughs> serine levels, but, you know, it sounds like in comparison to certain things, it should be something that's relatively straightforward to, to achieve to, uh, with a very specific personalized medicine goal to, to reduce the levels of a, of a, of a toxic metabolite. So I, think that's a, I think that's a great example. Yeah, I think we could, that kind of, uh, you know, we couldn't have been more lucky than to be involved in a story like that, that we were able to follow through. And obviously with like an enormous amount of collaboration and lots of different skill sets, like, you know, that, that kind of came to that, but it just shows how, 
yeah, sometimes just some nice metabolic investigation and into something that's just really basic metabolism can have, you know, yeah. It's a, I think it's, it's probably a proof of concept that you would like to hope to recreate with other metabolites as, as you exactly. go forward in your career with different diseases and, and, and different cases. Yeah, yeah. So that, that sounds like a fascinating area to, to pursue now that you're, you're back in, in Dublin. So your, your arrival home sort of coincided with some challenging times as a consequence of, the, of the, the global pandemic. Did you find it a big challenge in terms of trying to set up your lab against the background of this recruiting people? Um, delivering your teachings i think i didn't know like i hadn't i had done some teaching before so i didn't know teaching as anything else so i don't know maybe i kind of like zoom teaching maybe now when it comes to september i'll be like oh this is much better <laughs> um and then in terms of i was really lucky actually so i delayed recruiting a phd student till um january and um yeah i actually got some really great applicants and and um you know, and now I have a, a great PhD student working in the lab and we, and I think we get on very well. So, but it, like it, it does, it delays you by a year really, because you're, you're not in there and, you know, setting up stuff, even just really practical things. It's so much easier just to talk to somebody, like whether it be like, you know, a wing manager and say, Hey, how do you do this? Or where's this bit of equipment? And you can have that whole conversation in 10 minutes versus having 20 emails. <laughs> 20 emails over consecutive days, trying to get people at the right time. Yeah. So. Yeah, so it, like it, yeah, but 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 you know now it seems to be on track. Everybody's you know the labs are opening up. Everybody's working away. So it pretty much just yeah, it delayed everything. But hopefully that won't be too much of a long term problem. It'll be, it'll be a one off, and I think you know being able to recruit a strong uh, PhD student to go and work in the lab, you know, that's probably the most important decision for a, a burgeoning lab. So to have somebody strong who you have a good working relationship with on site already is is, the, is yeah, a very good foundation going forward yeah i think that's a, a great stroke of luck so hopefully <laughs> hopefully that will help well over the course of these uh, podcast interviews i've done uh, serendipity has proven to be an extremely uh, common theme amongst the successful uh, researchers so hopefully the, the good luck in, in finding a, a good phd student will will apply and, and live long in the years afterwards. Yeah, yeah, and like you have to say, like you know, like students here have always been great. Yeah, and like the students here are no different to the students in the US. So you know, you have you have really good people everywhere. It's a matter of taking the opportunity and and, and making the most of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, hopefully, funding will increase in Ireland, and and they can kind of because you know we have such a great education system. We're so lucky to be have this free third level education. So it's great to, you know, this research here should be able to build on that. We have such a, a good cohort of students that, you know, more money into research. Like we, we already have such a good investment at the third level education. Like, you know, continuing that on into research would just be fantastic. So hopefully the government will continue to invest. <laughs> on that optimistic view for the, <laughs> for the future. Martina, it's been a pleasure talking to you on the podcast this afternoon. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thanks very much, John. Great to chat. You've been listening to the UCD Conway Institute Class Acts podcast. A big thank you to the Conway Institute researchers for sharing their stories and Dr. Owen Cummins for chatting with them. Subscribe and follow UCD Conway Institute wherever you get your podcasts.